Hello and welcome back to Security Insights, the podcast that takes a deeper look at today's most important issues in cybersecurity and beyond. I'm Stephen Pritchard, editor and presenter. Let's be in no doubt, information security faces a skills shortage. Globally, the industry lacks just over 3 million trained people. That number actually did fall slightly in 2020, according to the Cybersecurity Workforce Survey from ISC Squared. But it's still a huge shortfall. How then can we close the gap? One way is to cast the recruiting net more widely. Can the industry bring in career changes as well as traditional computer science graduates? People choosing cybersecurity as a second career often bring in valuable and sometimes unique skills. But how hard is it to make the transition? Security Insights invited two cybersecurity professionals to explain their paths into the industry. Today, Charlie Schreck is Head of Engineering at Managed Security Service Provider Redscan. Before joining the industry, he spent 17 years as a professional cricketer. We'll hear from him shortly. First, though, we speak to Holly Grace Williams, Managing Director at Pentester Sikama and founder at Akimbo Core. She explains how she came to work in cybersecurity. I didn't go to college or university initially. Uh, I joined the military, so I'm ex-military, and I spent five and a half years serving with the British Army doing communication systems. And you can imagine that the British Army has a, an awfully strong requirement for resilient, secure systems. So I effectively wanted to play with networks and satellites and couldn't afford my own satellite, so I worked on theirs for a while. But that is what pushed me towards cybersecurity. So upon leaving the military, I did a master's degree in information security and since then have worked in the pen testing field. So what's appealed to you about going into information security rather than, say, network communications or working for you know, a cellular phone company or something like that, which you know, could have been options given your previous career? I never directly thought about it. I don't think there was ever a point in my life when, in which I thought, um, hey, this hacking thing seems good. Um, it was always definitely a technically interesting area. And it, and it certainly, as you hear people describing um, hacking and, and related fields as being like technically challenging, the, the puzzle side of things being what uh, appeals to people. And I think that's probably true for me. And that is probably what kind of led me to follow those, those paths. But I never actually sat down and thought like, oh, hacking sounds cool. I might get into that. It was just at the early stage of my career when you have all of these different areas of technology that you can work in, that was the one that seemed to catch my interest, that I seemed to read about the most, that I seemed to, to gravitate towards without really conscious thought. And as a career, what does it offer? One of the best things about cybersecurity or anything kind of information security related is there's lots of different areas that you can work in. So uh, that's a benefit if you're looking at a career in this industry and you land in a role that maybe isn't a perfect fit for you. There's probably something else that's very close that you might enjoy more. Um, but also it gives you the opportunity to to move around and, and flex different skills later in your career. So I've spent the last seven years doing manual penetration testing. And now a, a huge part of my time is actually building software that automates those penetration testing activities. But it's the same field and it's the same skills. It's just a very different approach. So I think that the benefit to people interested in this field is the variety. 
Describe then a, a typical day on a penetration testing project. How would you go about setting that up with the customer, going through the various stages? I'll break it down in a couple of different ways because cybersecurity is so huge now and we have uh, different projects. But um, traditional pen testing, what, what people most think of when they think of things like ethical hacking in the pen testing space, is uh, a point in time engagement with a customer where they have a specific system that they would like us to test. So maybe they've released a new version of their software or that they're looking to release, or maybe they've got a specific system that they think might be at risk or is particularly precious to them, like their, their website or online web application, something like that. And a customer will engage us and say, please try and break into this specific system, tell us how vulnerable it is and, and how we can remediate those issues. This is distinct from another term that people might hear a lot, which is red teaming. Red teaming in itself is a big space that involves red teaming, purple teaming, Tiber, and all of those things. But just as a kind of basic introduction, red teaming takes penetration testing one step further in such that we don't look at a specific system, but we look at an organization and we don't limit ourselves to a specific technique, but we use a range of techniques. So instead of trying to technically hack into a website, we'll try and break an organization and that might involve technical hacking, social engineering, physical access assessments, that's the trying to break into building side of the job. So it's much, much broader. But both of those assessments are point in time assessments. They're um, consultancy driven, so human led, uh, and they're time restricted. Whereas on the software side of things, we're looking more at continuous security testing. So how can we bring in the, the benefits of software automation to deliver this value to a customer over a longer period of time? One of the um, issues that, that customers sometimes worry about is, okay, so the pen test goes well, you find some issues, we remediate those vulnerabilities, but what about in six weeks or 12 weeks when things have changed, be that new vulnerabilities are discovered, the threat landscape changes, or maybe they're developing software in an agile way and they're making lots of small changes over time. Therefore, their risk changes. So we have continuous security testing as an option as well. How easy is it though to to transfer? So moving from a different career into security, into cybersecurity in particular, it can be a bit of a leap. It definitely can. And I think moving from one field to another is, is always a huge leap. But I think the benefit with cybersecurity is many of the organizations that I work with, what they care about is practically demonstrable skills. As an industry, we rely less on things like certifications, less on things like uh, degree requirements and those kinds of things. And it's more like if you can demonstrate um, related skills, either that be directly something like penetration testing, ethical hacking, capture the flag type skills, or just something broadly more useful like um, programming skills, that kind of thing, then that you have the ability to move across. So I think Whilst, yes, it is a leap, it, it's possibly easier than some other industries because of that uh, lower requirement on certifications. Although, of course, there is a trend towards having more formal qualifications in the industry, isn't there? So that, that may be something that people need to take into account if they're planning their careers. Yeah. And I, I do have to, I guess, caveat that with that is a, a broad generalization. You definitely will find cybersecurity companies that strongly list, must have a degree, must have a master's degree on, on the um, job specs, that kind of thing. Uh, but in my experience, in the companies that I have worked with, that has not been a heavy requirement. And have there been particular skills or experience from your previous career that actually helped you move across? Yeah, two, two big things. Um, understanding networks and communications, how systems interact, um, and, and also programming. Programming is, is one that comes up a lot with people looking at moving into the field because learning to program is tough. So people want to know, like, is this a requirement? Do I have to have this skill before I move in? The answer 
there is no, you don't have to know how to program to work within cybersecurity, but um, it is broadly a fantastic skill that I would recommend to anyone who has any spare time to, to pick up the ability to code. Um, so, so that is a big thing that has helped me throughout my career, um, both in terms of kind of the quality of life of, of making pen testing easier where you're handling huge amounts of data and manipulating that right up to what I do now, which is building software products. Um, on the networking side of things, a, a lot of the weaknesses within systems, regardless of whether you're working in attacking or defending, come from how systems interact with each other in those communications. So good solid understanding of, of networking, TCP, IP, HTTP, those kinds of things are definitely going to help. What about the so-called soft skills that sometimes people in information security criticized as lacking? Uh, is that something that you've had to develop? And, and was uh, your service background helpful in building those type of skills as well? I twitch when people use the term soft skills as if it somehow implies that like programming or maths are hard skills. Um, but yes, the, the ability to clearly communicate is uh, incredibly beneficial. I would almost go as far as to say required within cybersecurity uh, and definitely having a service background helped with that. Um, to, to give a good kind of example to somebody who's looking in this space, um, one of the things that we do is break into computers, but the second stage of that is demonstrating that risk to a customer and explaining to them how they can remediate those vulnerabilities. If you can hack a system but not tell the customer how to prevent somebody else from hacking it, that service is useless to that customer. So I would say that the, the soft skills, the consultancy capability, the ability to explain a technical issue to a business leader it's definitely a, a, a huge benefit. And you need to be able to take that information in a understandable but also sympathetic way to potentially quite senior people. There's a lot of different challenges in terms of presenting material. And you'll often hear uh, security testers, pen testers, ethical hackers complaining that they've delivered a report that then hasn't been actioned by the business. Um, there's a lot of issues there, not only in terms of um, presenting that information in, in a way that the, the business leaders will understand, but also prioritizing that information. Um, when an organization is new to penetration testing, it's not unusual for a huge number of vulnerabilities to be found. And, you know, dropping a 300 page report on somebody's desk and, and walking away and saying, see you next year, it's probably not useful that the deliverable has to be manageable. It has to fit their own risk profile as well, doesn't it? Because not every system can be protected equally. Not every system should be protected equally either. Um, you know, the different systems within an organization have a different criticality, um, either through the requirement for the business for that system or just the data that it stores and processes. Um, so yeah, not, not every system is born equally and, and the report should take that into account. What advice would you give to listeners who are considering uh, either changing careers to enter cybersecurity or indeed they're already in cybersecurity in some function and they're thinking about uh, pen testing or ethical hacking as a career option or career development. Anybody who's looking at um, moving into cybersecurity or, or really any um, technically similar role, the, the advice would be take a look at the range of roles that are in that space. You know, pen testing is very different to red teaming, which is very different to working in a SOC as an analyst or anything like that. Um, so if there's any role that you look at initially that you don't identify with, you don't think that that you would enjoy, there's probably something else there. Um, I've spoken quite strongly in, in this uh, about offensive security, that the breaking side of things, but you know, there's a, a huge area of detection and defense as well. Um, anyone who's already within cybersecurity that's looking at um, penetration testing, the best thing there is 
try and gather those practical skills. So look at things that capture the flag events, look at those kind of competitive environments, or look at technical challenges, crack me's, those kinds of things. Um, because when you speak to employers, those practical skills are going to be something that they care a great deal about. Um, but also it's a good way to have a go and see if you do enjoy it and see if you do find your passion. And if you find yourself using more and more of your time to work on those capture the flag events, it's probably something you would enjoy as a job and you should probably spend more time on them. That sounds like good advice. And what advice then would you give to chief information security officers and others within a business if they're looking to expand their cybersecurity teams or indeed make them more diverse? Because one of the challenges at the moment is in this industry is just recruiting. Uh, the, the skills gap is is very real and it's quite hard to to bring in the right type of people. The big thing there is like understand what, what you mean by diversity and understand what, what you are trying to build in terms of the team. I think sometimes on the recruitment side of things, the limitation might be just engineering hours and you just feel like you need more people to help. And maybe things like uh, diversity, range of skill sets, range of backgrounds um, doesn't get the attention that it needs. Maybe it's just a line item on a recruitment um, process of, oh, we should probably increase diversity. The, the benefit of that, of having a range of backgrounds, of having a range of ways of thinking is that Difficult problems will be approached in several different ways that will lead to a more effective or faster solution. So diversity is hugely beneficial, but give it thought. Don't just have it as you know an item on the list. And for CISOs looking to increase their capabilities, um, the, the fundamentals help a huge deal. You can look at these cool things that I've mentioned about you know, red teaming, Tiber, um, you could look at things like threat hunting and these really advanced methods of security offensively detection or defensively um, and think that's what this organization needs. But if you don't have the, the foundations built well, you won't benefit from them. Working with an organization this week who are looking at trying to solve the problem of their monitoring capability. Do we have all of our systems on the network? Are we gathering logs from them? Do they have endpoint protection installed? And that was very difficult for that organization because they hadn't achieved asset management. They couldn't answer the question of how many assets do we have, let alone do those assets have the appropriate endpoint protection on them. So, you know, take a step back, start with the foundations, make sure they're solid before you start building in these advanced protections. And then your people side is going to be driven by what your requirement is, because you know if you need those basic fundamental skills and you're not providing, for example, you know high quality IT support to your remote workers, uh, which is particularly acute right now, then very advanced cybersecurity techniques won't actually help you that much. Yeah, and and more broadly on the people side of things, um, you know, working in the startup space, the the person that you would want to take a company from one to ten employees, it's probably very different to the person you would want to run a you know international team of a thousand employees. It's very different skill sets. So being aware of where the company is right now where the company is going as well. I'm not saying hire for the job that'll exist in 18 months, but you know, hire for the near future is important. Um, you know, understanding that problem space is really important. So actually you need to develop your team and help your people to develop as well. Is that right? You definitely need a path for the team to develop. If you don't have some kind of training structure, then your team will get no better. But the the threat, the, the risk, the, the network that you're working on will change. So those capabilities need to develop too. Boards then need to look forward when they plan their recruitment. The roles that open today might not be the ones we need to fight the threats of the future. Flexibility is the key. 
And sometimes taking on new talent means taking a risk. For Charlie Shrek, it was a friend from his cricketing days who was willing to take that risk and give him a head start in the IT business. And that helped him embark on a new career in information security. I had a strange path into security. Uh, I, I, I was a professional cricketer for 17 years. Um, coming from I, when I first started, I hadn't even uh, owned a computer when I was playing cricket. Throughout that time, um, whilst playing cricket, I started to learn computers. I, I was playing with them a lot. I was the go-to to fix someone's computer if it was broken or this wasn't working. You know, the standard tech support of a friend rather than that. Um, I enjoyed cricket a lot. I played it a long time in comparison to a lot of other people. Um, I played it to the point at which my body basically gave up. <laughs> it couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. Um, and I had to look for a, a different different job, basically. I mean, I, I didn't get to play at the, the level of England where you, you're basically set for life. It was, I played at a level where it was uh, just a, a wage and a salary and you're, you're, you're living it, but you're having a great time at the same time. So I, I didn't have a nest egg I was sitting on and I had to go and find a new, new role. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a difficult move to, to move away from playing cricket to something else. Uh, I, I basically had to make a decision probably my last two years of playing cricket that I had to find something else. I knew it wanted to be in, in computers and I had to make a tactical decision on where do I think this industry is going and where do I think is the, the most beneficial place to uh, learn and move into and security stood out above anything else. So what prompted you to think about information security within that idea? So yes, you've got some experience and knowledge and um, interest in computers, but why then decide on security? When did security come to you as an option or cybersecurity come to you as an option? Okay, so uh, it, it was really, I just laid them out, really. I mean, I, I looked at it. I looked at uh, the various roles around uh, computing. I looked at infrastructure. I looked at uh, sales and solution sales. And I looked at, in fact, it, I went down the same route of pretty much any other young person wanting to go into security and looked at the glory of pen testing. And I saw that as a, as a good uh, way of continuing. Uh, it looked like it was good game almost compared to, as in the same comparison to cricket, where you were taking someone on, you were trying to, to break in, you were trying to stop them breaking in. And there was, there's a very, very much that rush that you would get when you're in a sporting contest of, I need to, I need to beat this person. Pen testing looked like it supplied that. And in effect, it does. Unfortunately, you need to be a very particular type of person to be doing pen testing. And I'm not that much like I'm not really much of a salesperson. So I started to look in other areas around the security industry and realized that Day-to-day, -day, I did a lot of deployments. I did a lot of uh, playing with tools and setting tools up and figuring out config. And I found that area within security that I'm in now, which is engineering, which is day-to-day, -day, very technical, involved in uh, setting up tooling, figuring out logging, figuring out what troubleshooting issues, if there are some. And that built out nicely into where I, where I am now. What was the initial appeal? In cricket, there's very much, it's a team game, but it's a, it's very much an individual sport. 
where you're take one person. I was a bowler. I was taking on the batter every day, and you have you have to look at it as a challenge. And you have to look at it. You have to basically find his weaknesses, and then build out a plan to try and break that down to get him out. And that was a challenge. There was a rush when it worked, and the success of doing that was was really quite fun. And that was the thrill why I wanted. To, I stayed in it till I was thirty nine. I was looking for something similar because it would be very hard to have having had that in my life for 25 years for it to suddenly disappear i thought that this could provide that to be honest and i think it does in a certain way where if it, it's not i'm not in contact with it as much because we're supplying it to an analyst or a pen tester that would get that rush but we're still part of that that challenge and that um difficulty to try and figure out how we stop it from happening or how can we how can we uh stop it from happening again and how we can call it out so there i mean there's a real there's a link there that i think that it's the best i could do coming from something that i really enjoyed doing and i'm close to getting that now in trying to stop people breaking into our customers area was the team elements part of the attraction for you i i found uh, stopping playing cricket very difficult uh, purely because it's something you didn't even realize was there so when you we're playing we played basically five six days of cricket a week in the summer and in this in the winter we were training every day albeit half days but we were you, know, you were in and around 17 18 20 people the whole time you would go away to hotels you would have you wouldn't just be your one person in the room. You'd have 17 or 18 people you could socialize with. And then suddenly moving into uh, security, I, I, I worked in Bracknell for two years. I was sitting in a hotel, no one else there. Um, I was part of a team during the day, but then you would go home and there'd be no one else. And there was a huge, there's a huge difference in how uh, the sporting environment team ethic is in, compared to a uh, uh, a corporate or an enterprise level team, which was very difficult to, to um, compare to. Yes, now there is a team element to it that is different and we're all focused on the same path. And yes, uh, I think Redscan's path is very much team orientated. We have three different sections. We have, we have the blue team, which is the, the SOC and the engineering team and the red team being the pen testers. And we do work together, but comparing it to a sporting environment where you are together 24-7 for 10 months of the year is very different. But there is an element of comfort now in, in Redscan that we are all working together, trying to build up to the same area. And you can fall back on the rest of the team and you can rely on them because we're all fighting for the same cause. At perhaps a more technical level, how easy or difficult was it to transfer across in thinking about qualifications and obviously you've got experience in uh, working as part of a of the team but not necessarily experience if you're coming out of professional sport in working in as you've alluded to an office environment so you know what did you need to do to make that transfer possible first of all there was a there was a realization that uh there, it isn't just technical. I didn't need to just learn technical. I needed to learn how to communicate with people that I thought would be different because obviously the, you're in a bubble in your sporting environment. You don't get to deal with the outside world as you feel it. But we were, so I had to feel as if I had to learn to communicate with people 
outside in an office. It, that wasn't true. Eventually, it dawned on me that actually the communication within the, the sporting environment was at the same level. And we, you could communicate with these people and push forward your opinions and uh, your methods of how you want to do stuff to them very easily. There's also the, the, the furthering of people that I learned uh, playing cricket, that uh, trying to develop people at a very young age um, in a sporting environment, you're taught to help others and bring them on and bring forward and bring their game forward. That's exactly the same as in the, in, in the security industry in a team where you can, you're mentoring, you're guiding them and how to develop themselves and develop the issues. Um, that didn't really answer your question. The, the, the technical side, yes. I mean, I was reasonably technical anyway because I was in and out of computers. I was building computers. I was deploying uh, software and looking after um, all of my teammates' computers at the same time. I did start to learn. Uh, I, I chose a, a scene tool that I needed to learn. I, I found some courses that I needed, to, I needed to take that I thought would get, get me there, being Security Plus, Network Plus. I learned Splunk. Uh, it was a lucky decision, really. It was just one that I saw that seemed to be a leader in the market, and I went for it and just started to take the courses. Admittedly, the first one was free. That probably helped the decision. But uh, I just got in and sought and tried to figure out if I could could do it or not. I mean, there, there's a whole a huge element of doubt and a huge element of uh, unknown moving into a whole different area. And um, I just took it on, really. So you have to almost make a reset. But when you then look back to your experience of your time in professional sport, were the particular skills and qualities that actually helped with the transition and you're now able to draw on in your daily work? Yeah, well, there's definitely the mentoring that is very, very useful. The leading of a team in there, even, even though you have a captain in the cricket team, you lead your area. And if you aren't, then you don't generally hang around that long. I think that can be true traversed into a corporate environment if you're not leading your area uh, or not trying to uh, you're going to fall behind there's the actual just being able to communicate with people and dealing with people and understanding when they're they're not happy with their uh the way things are going that you pick up pick it up pretty quickly quickly under the microscope in, a, in an office as well as in a dressing room and being able to address that is very handy and i think it helps in, in leading a team. How easy was it to convince employers that you had those skills? Let's put it this way. I mean, I was very lucky. I, I moved out. I probably had three months where I was doing my, my Security Plus, Network Plus and learning Splunk until someone that I used to play cricket with 15 years ago got in touch basically on a whim. And he, he, it turned out he had, a, he had a job that I could go and try and apply for. I didn't have an interview um, I basically went and temped for a week and he, he offered me the job at the end of that week. Um, I was very lucky. It would have been very hard to be able to get those skills across any other way than actually just being on there in an interview. I don't think I could have got that across mainly because I didn't think that I didn't know that I could do that. You know, I, mean? I didn't know I'd learned it and it could, could be passed across into a, an enterprise level company or a, in a corporate world. Uh, so I was lucky in, a, in that regard, but those skills are there. You just need to know that they were, they had been picked up and developed over 15, 20 years. 
With that in mind, what advice would you give to people in a similar position? You've got to take the leap. You've got to try. You've got to really get out there and 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 do it. I know. I mean, I admit I was very lucky, but it's in in another way, do you make your own luck? Do you do you get out there and do you just uh, take the plunge and try it? There's you know you're always going to figure your way out of it eventually. I had to. There was no. I had no choice. My cricket career was ending. I needed to find a new job. I needed to find a new meaning behind it. And this, I was dedicated and committed to get make it work. I think that those are the three things were there, the, the basis of actually trying to get it to work properly. So a degree of determination. I think so. But I mean, in coming out of 17 years of a cricket career, you, you, you have that ingrained in you already, right? I mean, you're not going to be able to play in, a, in an elite environment for that long without having that determination. You're not. Gonna, I mean, even to get to that level, you're going to have to have a, a decent amount of determination and commitment and drive to get that going. And I think that that needs to come across. But I think that uh, employers are looking at that. You also have that coming from an army or a uh, RAF background. They have that same drive and same organisational level that I think employers are looking for. Charlie Shrek on how the determination born out of his time spent in professional sport helped him to make the move to a successful second career in cybersecurity. That, though, is all for this episode of Security Insights. In our next programme, our guest will be Enza Ianopolo of Forrester Research. She'll discuss the findings of Forrester's latest cybersecurity report and will look at today's current and emerging threats. That episode goes live on Tuesday the 6th of April, and I hope you can join us then. In the meantime, you can catch up on past programmes on our website, securityinsights.co.uk, and of course on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon and Spotify. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>